Have you ever wept at anything during the past year? Has your heart beat faster at the sight of a young beauty? Have you thought seriously about the fact that someday you are going to die? More often than not, do you really listen when people are speaking to you instead of just waiting for your turn to speak? Is there anybody you know in whose place, if one of you had to suffer great pain, you would volunteer yourself? If your answer to all or most of these questions is no, the chances are that you're dead. These words are from Frederick Beekner, a Christian minister and author who spoke powerfully about the importance of listening to your life. This for him, it seems to me, was the key to having a relationship with the sacred. He shares, A man's life is full of all sorts of voices calling him in all sorts of directions. Some of them are voices from inside and some of them are voices from outside. The more alive and alert we are, the more clamorous our lives are. Which do we listen to? What kind of voice do we listen for? It is unwise to say that most of us today are bad listeners. Yes, many of us think we know too much to risk learning anything new or seeing from another person's point of view. And yes, many of us leave a conversation remembering more what we think than what the other person said. Yet, we are still listening, but to what? We are often listening to the nervous clutching of our own mind, that part of ourselves that continues to shovel into ourselves a worldview that we hope keeps our feet from falling off the earth, that part of ourselves that thinks it is the actual true narrator of our life story and continues to remind ourselves of just exactly what happened when and where. I'm a big fan of ego, that which we refer to that means who we think we are, and yet, the part of that that is constantly engaging in our own thoughts that we can't hear anything else is, to me, often engaged in a kind of defense mechanism. Too much time in the spin cycle of thoughts is a defense mechanism against the intimacy of being in the new, being in the silence, being in the unknown, being with what is. A deeper kind of listening is the key to a deeper experience of life. You don't have to call out and wait to hear the voice of God. You just have to be willing to develop those inner senses that move us beyond externals and into greater inner realities. Listening to your life is a way of bridging the gap between what we think is and what really is, the former always being a lot less true than the latter. However, no matter how much into a state of hearing only our own interpretations, the truth seems that when we do listen, the mystery is balanced by a sense of familiarity. I've been here before. Hell, I've been here all along. For Beekner, always behind the scatterings of our own mind is a holy presence, willing to communicate with us if we're willing to listen to it. Sometimes, he says, we avoid listening for fear of what we may hear, sometimes for fear that we may hear nothing at all but the empty rattle of our own feet on the pavement. Be not afraid, for though I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He says he is with us on our journeys. He says he has been with us since each of our own journeys began. Listen for him. Listen to the sweet and bitter airs of your present and your past for the sound of him. The Sufis, that Islamic form of mysticism, teach that prayer is not a form of wishing but of remembering. Remembering our oneness with the truth. Sacred understanding comes not through discovery but recollection. Beekner once shared in a sermon about the following dream that speaks to this point. I dreamt that I was staying in a hotel somewhere and that the room I was given was a room I loved. I no longer have any clear picture of what the room looked like, and even in the dream itself I think it wasn't so much the way the room looked that pleased me as much as it was the way that it made me feel. It was a room where I felt happy and at peace, where everything seemed the way it should be and everything about myself seemed the way it should be too. 
Then, as the dream went on, I wandered off to other places and did other things, and finally, after many adventures, ended back at the same hotel again. Only this time, I was given a different room, which I didn't feel comfortable in at all. It seemed dark and cramped, and I felt dark and cramped in it. So I made my way down to the man at the desk and told him my problem. On my earlier visit, I said I'd had this marvelous room that was just right for me in every way, and that I'd very much like, if possible, to have again. The trouble, I explained, was that I hadn't kept track of where the room was and didn't know how to find it or how to ask for it. The clerk was very understanding. He said that he knew exactly the room I meant and that I could have it again any time I wanted it. All I had to do was ask for it by name. So then, of course, I asked him what the name of the room was. He would be happy to tell me, he said, and then he told me. The name of the room, he said, was Remember. This story is a good reminder that getting back into harmony with ourselves is not a process of finding, but of letting go of wherever we find ourselves and returning within to what matters. Can you remember the first place to you that you would call sacred? Perhaps it was a space that was all your own and felt that it belonged just to you. A play place in the corner of a living room, a tree in the backyard, a creek you could retreat to. It's in these spaces that we learn to be and cultivate our own sacred energies, and I believe as well learn to really listen to our lives. Joseph Campbell pointed out that once you've established sacred space, you can take it with you wherever you go. I think this is true not because you take the place with you, but the kind of listening to your inner self in life. Giving ourselves permission to create sacred space for ourselves to more deeply listen helps us to achieve Beekner's definition of the phrase "mind your own business." Mind your own business means butt out of other people's lives because, in the long run, they must live their lives for themselves. But it also means pay mind to your own life, your own health and wholeness, both for your own sake and ultimately for the sake of those you love too. And so, in Beekner's messages, I think we have some key ideas for listening to our lives. Allow the narrating thoughts of your own inclinations and anxieties to continue on, but without the emphasis of so much attention. Instead, get vulnerable, open yourself, and listen to your life. It won't speak in words, although it might through another. Let it speak to you through feeling, through affect, through contemplation. Beekner says there is no chance thing through which God cannot speak. Even the walk from the house to the garage that you have walked ten thousand times before, even the moments when you cannot believe there is a God who speaks at all anywhere, He speaks. I believe, and the words He speaks are incarnate in the flesh and blood of ourselves and of our own footsore and sacred journeys. If you can truly listen, no matter what you're going through in your life, you might always be able to hear a deep peace, and as Beekner puts it, grace. He shares, "If I were called upon to state in a few words the essence of everything I was trying to say, both as a novelist and as a preacher, it would be something like this: Listen to your life, see it for the fathomless mystery that it is, in the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it, because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments." And life itself is grace.